them. Um, you introduce the concepts, the signs, and then you just kind of build on it. Yeah. And Joiner, I think, is one of those things that you can grab and use. Like it is intended as a manual. And then the reason I see it as being a more advanced tool is because I see it being used in like a crisis intervention um, because it's assessing for suicidality. So to get to that point, it usually is later in a program where you have a little bit more clinical development and implication. Um, but it is something mm -hmm. that you can just grab and use, which I think is one of the best uses of Joiner. Yeah, I think we could even have students make, you know, the card with resources pertaining to, you know, whatever population they're going to work with early on, because that's something like you said, Oriana, they can grab and use that at any time. So whether, you know, maybe they haven't reached that stage where they're in internship, but maybe they're kind of dipping their foot into practicum, um, it's still a good tool for them to have handy, like ready to go. I agree. And then for master's level students versus how we learned it, because we used the book, the interpersonal theory of suicide. I think that's good, but it's too advanced for master's level students. So I would actually assign them. He has a, a, a separate like book. It's called Why People Die by Suicide. Yep. I would assign the master's level students that book because it's simple. It's it's a good read. It's a fun read. And it helps to learn like the story behind it. Mm -hmm. So instead of our book, I would do that one. And then a thought that I have about like when we're doing like the risk assessment protocol, teaching it to them, I would also have them use like a CAMS or the Columbia scale um, to learn side by side how to do it. Uh, I think that could be really helpful, like to see if they're getting the key concepts and to see if they could apply it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that idea, Danny, of you could, and you could even assign, I mean, if we, again, like kind of thinking about social justice in action as educators, you know, one of the things that I heard at ACES was like, instead of asking students to purchase books, like if there were even like chapters that we could download and just have them read, um, I think you could introduce that early on in the curriculum because I know, again, like talking about normalizing fears and anxieties, you know, when I was, again, training to be a counselor, it was the single most thing I was worried about is that someone would say they were thinking about suicide, you know? So like normalizing that that is one of the scariest things, but like, here's some information about acquired capability, thwarted belongingness, perceived burdensomeness, where they can start putting like words to what it is. Mm -hmm. And then like in pre-prac, you know, starting to introduce like, like Violetta said, like some basic skills, some things you want to kind of have at your fingertips, maybe doing some role plays. But then like when they're in practicum and internship, really what do you do for crisis intervention? What, how do you do a risk assessment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kind of like, again, that scaffolding of not pretending like it's not going to happen because it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> just like a rupture is 
gonna happen. I like how, um, Danny, you said using the cams to kind of like do a side by side. I was thinking if I were teaching these concepts to school counselors, I would want to use the um, assessment that they're using in the schools to show it side by side for, you know, comparison and to see how they can kind of like incorporate both together. Mm hmm. In a counselor education program as well, this can also be used like in um, any diagnosis or pathology uh, course because of the, the big five diagnoses for at risk. So major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, anorexia, schizophrenia, and borderline. Uh, if you see that a client that you are seeing is at risk for any of those diagnoses or has an established diagnosis, then it could be a, a good indicator to keep this in mind. And then even though like Joiner is an advanced um, book, I think if we have students go over, Allison, like you said, the, the main factors to look for, those are like automatic ones that will stand out. Like, does my client have acquired capability? Is he or she perceived burdensomeness, um, belongingness? If we are able to teach those concepts, then we are able to equip students with um, something that they can use in response to that so that they don't have that panic moment. Um, yeah. And I remember also in my, in my program, something that they had students practice was asking the question of, do you want to die? And then saying it that way, saying the words death, dying, killing yourself, all of those, because um, people often skirt around it of, do you have ideas of not wanting to wake up tomorrow or of passing on and actually using the words? So just something to keep in mind. That's so funny that you bring that up, Oriana, because um, when we have to do those at the elementary level, like there's there has to be two people together. And so since I'm the only school counselor at my site, I usually do it with like the nurse or the you know, whoever else is um, certified to, to conduct it. But they usually always make me ask the questions because they're like not comfortable in saying those words. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about like normalizing that too. Mm -hmm. um, it seems kind of silly to think like you have to practice saying, you know, talking about death and ask you, do you want to die? Um, but it's true. Like they really need to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's the scariest part, right? So it's also providing students with that information that asking the question is not planting a seed. It's not going to encourage suicidal behavior when in reality, what it's going to do for your client or your student is open the door to a conversation that maybe they've really wanted to have, but they didn't know if anyone could hold space for it. Mm -hmm. So by practicing, are you, you know, thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about dying? Do you want to kill yourself? Like you having the confidence to say it mm -hmm. opens the door to a conversation. It doesn't encourage them to want to do it more. Right. And if you mystify that early on, I think that would be really good. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that would really help. And one part that I'm really thinking that would be useful, like I wish I would have got it in my master's uh, and I would want to apply it is the after component part of when you're working with the student and they say yes 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Because they don't prepare you. Like, I wasn't prepared for my first one where that happened. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I do? And so, like, I'm helping them through that, like, with actual scenarios of, like, what would you do? Like, if the student Mm -hmm. says yes, if you let me leave this room, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it in 30 minutes. Because then you would have that. I remember I had that panic. Um, If I would have run through that ahead of time, I wouldn't have had that panic. So, like, showing students those strategies and exactly what they would do. Because when you think about crisis, and you know we've learned about supervision, when master's level students are in crisis, that's when the supervisor has to take 100% control and uh, break it up step by step. Mm -hmm. So doing that for them. Yeah, and then also attending to the feelings. You know, like being able to process, like, what was it like for you to say that? Or, you know, what was it like for you in this role play to be the counselor and to ask the client? Uh, And then the importance of after a moment like that, whether you're in a clinical or a school setting, how do you take care of you? Yeah. Because that's, I mean, those are some of the hardest days that you will ever have is like you said, Danny, like even with all my years of experience, like it still makes my heart pound, you know, because you just care deeply about your students or your clients and they're suffering. Mm -hmm. And so just like also modeling the importance of self-care, whatever that looks like for you, or if you have a supervisor processing with your supervisor, processing with your peers, your colleagues, your trusted folks, you know, I mean, I know every time I've had to be in that situation I have to like decompress with my co-counselor and just be like that what's awful mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be so calm and so like I know exactly what I'm doing and, I <laughs> and think- your heart is pounding <laughs> and in this conversation like something important to remember is that you as the clinician you don't have to be the sole decision maker like you yeah. are able to consult and you're able to ask for help and gather extra resources. Um, and I think that that's something important for us to instill in our students as well, that this is not a decision that you want to take on alone. You don't have to know every answer. Mm-hmm. And you could relate it back to that joiner concept too of like, it's in the, our book, but kind of like, having a balanced approach like not immediately going like full-fledged crisis but also like not dismissing like do you remember that part of the book in the beginning where it's like trying to hold both in balance I can't quite remember but to that point you know it's like a team approach asking for help making sure you're All right. I think we got number one down. 